Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. Ezekiel 37.1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Billy, if you come up, I'll pray. Father, I ask in these next moments as we hear from your word, God, that you would soften our hearts, enable us by your spirit to hear. And God, I just ask that you would bring us to a place of awe and wonder at the power of your word, at the power of your strength. God, draw us closer into you and who you are and make us like you. Be now with Billy as he speaks and preaches, Lord. God, I just ask that your spirit would be on him today. Strengthen and encourage him. God, enable him to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So we are in a sermon series right now called uh, I Love My Town. And in this series, we're examining how the gospel of Jesus Christ drives us to love our neighborhoods and our towns, as well as the people who make up those places. So today I want to just start by asking you a simple question. It's this, have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever doubted? 
I want to be really vulnerable um, with you guys this morning, Corndeo. Some of you know this, not all of you do, but March 2020 was difficult for all of us, right? The world paused and everything has been completely different since. Most of you know Hannah and I suffered a devastating late-term miscarriage in 2017. And after that miscarriage, we were told we couldn't have kids, uh, at least to tr we couldn't try to have kids uh, for at least a year um, that we should prevent because there was potential for cancer and some other things and we were really nervous and scared. That year stretched longer and we waited for kids and it just didn't seem to come to fruition. And once we had moved back home to Burke County, our hearts began to soften to the idea of foster care. The more we learned about the growing need in our county, the more convinced we were that this was something we wanted to do. And so in 2019, on this very week in September, we were introduced to a little girl who would move into our homes. Now it wasn't perfect, right? But there was a lot of joy, there was a lot of hope in those days. I, I felt like I was getting like a, a front row seat of what the gospel is. Now we had some Highs, yes, but we had some lows. <laughs> we did. 2020 started off pretty awesome, actually. We were gifted a trip to Disney World, which was awesome. Um, we got to take this little girl there. And I remember um, watching the parade and praying, asking God that we could adopt this little girl. Um, and then March came. For various reasons that I can't and won't get into, the, the state made the decision to move her to be closer to family, and that was tough. Um, March started so promising, right? Coram Deo had just started our Sunday morning gatherings. What a time to start. Um, whew. And uh, it felt so full of hope. And then everything just spiraled out of control. COVID hit. And uh, I remember the first week I did a live stream. <laughs> I did the world's worst live stream. Um, I used just open talk to it, and I'm like rewatched it. It's so grainy and awful. Um, and later that same week, our uh, our foster daughter was supposed to do just a, a quick over family. If everything went well, um, she would come back. And we would have a conversation with her, and we would help her transition out. That was the plan. Instead, because of the pandemic, um, the decision was made to just go ahead and transition her out. So we never got to even say goodbye. Her belongings were in our home for months. Have you ever felt hopeless? I remember, um, see it was fine when I read this last night to Hannah, but uh, I remember walking in our neighborhood, and uh, as I went for a walk, I had to choke back tears because I realized I had lost two kids. The angel Gabriel declared to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. You see, whether it's defeating a giant with a stone and a sling, whether it's making walls fall down with horns and a shout, or if it's being in the middle of a fire and coming out without even a singed hair or the smell of smoke. Or in Mary's case, she was a virgin, 
that she was delivering the Son of God. The idea is that nothing is impossible with God. Now, as familiar as we all are with all of these stories, with this truth that nothing is impossible with God, it can be a struggle to believe. We, we may believe it generally, right? Oh, I know God can do great things, but we doubt it specifically. I don't believe God can do anything with some of the situations that I'm in. Doubt leads to despair, and despair leads to hopelessness. Have you ever felt hopeless about something or even someone? I remember the moment when Hannah's hopelessness dissolved and was replaced with a resolve of faith. Hannah and I had started this care and counseling cohort in 2019, and we were on a Zoom call, like we all did for all of 2020. Um, we were on a Zoom call, and suddenly Hannah, who had been so burnt out on the idea of hope, told me she wanted to try and have a baby. And, well, many of you have met Samuel. Um, if you've been tempted to give up and quit praying about something, please, friend, don't. Right, whatever your hopeless situation is, would you, would you give it to the Lord right now? Friends, he is able. He is able. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep praying. Where, where we pick up today in a very familiar passage in Ezekiel... We see that Israel certainly feels hopeless. This is what we read in verse 11. It shows them admitting it. It says, Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. They've been in exile for at least 12 years. 12 years is a long time. Jerusalem had fallen. The temple was destroyed. Many had been slaughtered. And despite all that Ezekiel had preached to them, they had lost hope. I'm sure somewhere deep down, though, they knew that nothing was impossible with God. But whether they believed that, well, that's up for debate. Would we? Do we? Today we're talking about gospel advance for Burke County. We're going from the idea that the gospel has transformed us that it's called us together into community, and it propels us now outward on mission. We are a gospel community on mission. But in our dark days, it can certainly feel hopeless at moments. We can know the truth of who God is, of what he has done, and yet feel hopeless. Today, again, I want to walk through what is a very, very familiar passage for many of us. And my prayer is that it would stir you and I to hope. That it would compel you to long for the gospel to advance. So let's start with what we see. What we see. Look back at the passage with me. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry and he said to me son of man 
Can these bones live? And I answered him, O Lord God, you know. Now, as we think about what we see, I want to start with what Ezekiel sees first. Ezekiel is given this vision of a valley. And this valley is honestly pretty grotesque. It's a war-torn valley of mayhem. All around Ezekiel is destruction, decay, and death. A few years ago, uh, one of our deacons, Josh Matica, got to go to Italy. Be jealous. Uh, while he was there, he went into the Capuchin Crypt. This is a chapel made of the bones of deceased monks. You can throw up a picture if you would. Let's just drink that in for a minute. Heartwarming. Inspiring. Terrifying. Gross, right? It's a chapel full of monks who they focused and thought about death. And I get creeped out looking at these pictures. You, you, yeah, take it down. <laughs> now imagine Ezekiel's horror looking out over the scene. There are piles and piles of bones. Now there are two things to notice about these bones. The first is there's a lot of them. There's a great many of them. It says there's a vast army's worth of bones. And the second thing is this. They are very dry. What does that mean? It means that they're not recently dead. <laughs> These are bones from bodies that have decomposed. The sun has now dried these bones and bleached them. So not only is there no trace of life, there's no trace of the recognizable individuals that they once were. These are just bones, dry bones. Now, what do we see? We look out over Burke County. What do we see? Well, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, there are well over 60,000 individuals in our county that don't darken the door of any church. And that was before the pandemic. The number has only continued to grow as less and less folks are wanting to come back to church. What else? Well, again, I've already mentioned this, but many of you know the number of kids in the foster care system is staggering. The growing opioid and meth crisis has spiraled out of control for decades. But what about the dry bones you behold in your own life? Who is that coworker, that family member, that friend? Who is it that feels like they are just beyond hope? Friends, we should keep in mind that we too were once hopeless. In fact, we're actually commanded to remember it. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he wrote 33 verses without giving a command. And when he finally issues his first imperative, his first command, it's for the church to remember. And what is it that Paul wants them and us to remember? Well, this is what he says in Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumc uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When Paul says to us, remember that you were without God, he didn't just mean, remember that at one point in time, you just, you lacked a little bit of knowledge about who God was. No, he meant remember that one time God was not your God. 
and that he would not be yet apart from the good news of the gospel. And if he was not our God, then that means he wasn't for us, that he was against us. He wasn't our justifier, he was our condemner. We didn't face eternal life, but friends, we faced eternal damnation. And it's just this that Paul wants us to remember. Remember this, that apart from Christ, almighty God would be against us. Apart from Christ, we would be storing up wrath for ourselves on the day of the righteous judgment of God. And apart from the free and unmerited grace of God, the mercy of Christ, we would go away into eternal punishment. Or as Paul says in a single phrase, we would be utterly out hope we should always remember that at one time we were Christless stateless friendless hopeless and godless we should also remember that God did not leave us this way while we were once hopeless we're not anymore we we have hope right we rejoice in hope because we know this this is what Romans 5 says This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ezekiel's generation should have known this as well. They should have been full of hope because they had promises from the Lord as well. Right. Remember what they were told in Jeremiah 29. We love to put this on coffee mugs, even though it was for Israel. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. They had either forgotten this word or they had chosen not to believe it. God, however, would not just restore their hope. He would resurrect his people. He would reestablish them in their land. So Ezekiel, he looks out over the valley and he sees death, destruction, decay. And what does God say to him? Verse three. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Now. There is something absolutely and completely profound happening here. Ezekiel has enough knowledge about God to not deny God's ability. But. But he lacks the faith to believe in it. Cormdeo, is that is that not us? We have the right theology. But not the right faith. To believe that the gospel can advance, even in hopeless situations. See, it's not Ezekiel who comes up and asks about the possibility of renewal, revival, refreshment, redemption, restoration. No, it's not Ezekiel. It's God. God's the one who asks, can these bones live? These very dry bones. The question is rhetorical because he is the God of resurrection. Cormdale, let's not get let's not get lost in the process. Let's trust in his promises. So we see a valley of death. But that brings us now to the second thing. That's this. What do we do? What do we do? Look at verse four. 
Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So what's the plan in the valley? Is there a solution for this situation? Is God going to bring life? Yes. And he's going to use Ezekiel in the process, right? He tells him, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, Ezekiel shouldn't be totally caught off guard, right? If you read Ezekiel prior to this vision, he's been asked to preach to mountains, to forests, and to people who listen like brick walls. Now, if Ezekiel had any questions or hesitations, they're not recorded. Now, to my shame, I know I'd probably have some questions, right? I would, right? Instead of instant obedience, I think I often wrestle with God's plan. Instead of saying, yes, sir, right away, sir, I tend to ask, you want me to do what? Go where? Talk to bones? Because listen, y'all, it's a well-attested anatomical fact that although ears have many bones, bones don't have ears, okay? So Ezekiel obeys and he prophesies both times as he's commanded because he trusted and obeyed. Ezekiel sees God do something amazing. He sees these amazing things that God does. What about us? What are we seeing God do because we believe him and obey him? What are we missing out on because we do not? Bringing the dry bones in the valley back to life is going to be a two-part process involving both God's word and his spirit. Now, why is the word necessary? Well, not only because it is alive, as Hebrews tells us, but because it brings life, 1 Peter tells us. Two of the greatest steps that we can take when it comes to advancing the gospel, when it comes to speaking the hope of Jesus, are praying and memorizing God's word. Here's just the truth. If we hide the word of God in our hearts, then the spirit of God can bring its gospel message to our lips and use it to bring others to life. This is what Paul says in Romans 10. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And the church at Ephesus was informed, in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Without the word. And without someone faithful like Ezekiel. The dry bones aren't going to live. 
The second part of the kind of resuscitation of these bones is the work of the spirit. We are born because God forms us, but we are reborn because God fills us. Ezekiel was told in verse nine, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Just like Adam in Genesis two, they may look alive when they're formed, but they're made alive when his spirit fills them. Ezekiel says the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet and there was this exceedingly great army. Ezekiel knew exactly what the Spirit's empowering felt like. You see, Ezekiel could preach with confidence because God was the one who promised to act as Ezekiel prophesied. God was the one who caused breath to enter the bones and made them live God is the one who put tendons on the bones, who made flesh grow and covered them with skin. Ezekiel's role was to prophesy. God's role was to produce the results. It's the same for us. Our responsibility, friends, is proclamation. God's work is regeneration. We may not see physically what Ezekiel was shown, but God is still bringing life from death. And he's doing it through the preaching of his word. Friends, the pressure to save is on God. The responsibility to share hope is on you. It's on me. People in this county, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our families, they are dry bones. But we know the one who can breathe life into these bones. So though we see a valley of death, we are called to speak life. Finally, we see what God does. Here's what we see God do. Look at verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let all despair flee. God has determined to deliver his people and nothing would stand in his way. Even though the house of Israel felt forsaken, they were not. They were still his people. And this speaks to his faithfulness more than theirs. Despite all they had done to rebel against God, God would still deliver his people from the nations in which they were exiled and lead them back to their land. He's not acting because they were good. 
He's acting because he is. And that should give all of us hope. He's not acting because they were good, but because he is. Without Christ, we are as bad and as dead as Israel ever was. Paul reminds the Colossians, he says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And then he says this to the church at Ephesus. He paints a bleak picture. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Here's what this means. We're no beauty queens. Like Israel, we were dead dry bones. God gives us life through Christ. God can bring us through the valley of death because he first brought Christ through it. Just as the bones were resuscitated with a purpose of being an army, so we have been filled with the Lord's Spirit. For a reason, we have work to do. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved, we are regenerated for the reason of making disciples for his renown. Here is what we see God do. He brings life to dead places. That's what he does. That's who he is. Coram Deo, you are Jesus' missionaries, sent with his very spirit to proclaim the good news of Jesus with authority and boldness. You are called to speak life to dead places. That's why Jesus gave you his spirit so that you could speak life being his witnesses. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Everywhere you go, whatever you do, you are a missionary sent by Jesus to love like Jesus. You are sent to overcome sin like Jesus, proclaim the gospel like Jesus, to see people's lives changed by the power of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You are always on mission. You are always advancing the gospel. Every part of your life, every activity and event is a part of Jesus's vision to make disciples. Jesus and you believe that the gospel is the central motivation of your life, then your first priority in life is to live as a disciple who makes disciples. Friends, this means more than just making converts. It means living out your everyday life and your rhythms in a way that encourages other followers of Jesus in areas of their life 
where they're not functionally living out the gospel, where they don't believe the truth of God's good story. And it means living out your everyday life and rhythms in a way that introduces an unbelieving world to God's gospel story in real, tangible ways. That's part of the good work that God prepared beforehand that we just read about. Remember, we're not alone on this mission. Jesus goes with you everywhere because his spirit is within you to empower you to be his representative in the world. He wants to completely saturate your world in word and deed by his presence at work in and through you by his spirit. This passage, it deconstructs every excuse that we would offer for why we should give up in difficult situations and on difficult people as though we're not one of them. What but the love of Jesus can transform stubborn hearts into supple hearts, can replace mean with mercy, can supplant self-protective willfulness with gospel willingness. Who but Jesus could transform cold hostility into kind-hearted intimacy? Those are rhetorical questions, right? Because we know of no other hope for unrequited love, for dying churches, for hard hearts, but Jesus and his great love lavished on us in the gospel. Indeed, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's not become preoccupied with looking at dry bones. But let's look to Jesus, our living Savior. Let's ask him to restore to all of us the joy of his salvation, the hope of his resurrection, and give us a passion for his glory above everything else, including, yes, our own happiness. See, Jesus bore our sins on the cross of Calvary. He took your shame, your guilt, my guilt, he went through that deep, dark valley, and he came out of the grave. He's given us his resurrecting life for eternity. And now, now we are the Father's family. And that means we love others like he's loved us. We are servants of Christ. Therefore, we serve as he served us. We are missionaries filled and empowered by the same spirit that was in Jesus. Therefore, we are always advancing the gospel, seeking to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Whatever he has done in us, he now wants to do through us to others. Friends, let's pray to that end. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the hope we have in Jesus. We're grateful for the good news of the gospel, that you love us ferociously, relentlessly. Teach us to be a people who, Lord, remember the good news of your resurrecting power, who in hard, dark days, remember that you are the one who breathes life. 
God, I pray for those who are in the midst of a hopeless situation. Would you remind them, Lord, that you are with them, you are present, you are eternal. Lord, would you work in power? Teach us to trust, Lord. This we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.